Finds Depay. Memphis Depay. Goes for gold. Done just that, he scored! Juninho's done it! Oh, the stadium has erupted here. The relief is palpable all around. There's Nabil Fick here. Shoots and scores! Well, there's a finish in a half from Nabil Fick here to double the Leon lead two minutes before half time. And Manchester City in real trouble on the opening night of the Champions League. Oh, it's in again! It's Dembele again! And he's come off the bench to score twice! to the Football Well English podcast. I'm your host Liam and as always I'm joined by Tom. Tom, how are things with you? Good. Uh, it's not a win this week <laughs> but it's it's a fight back. There was a bit of spirits this week so there's stuff to talk about. Definitely not in the first game we're talking about but the second one maybe. No, I guess what you're talking about there is two draws. We'll be discussing those in this episode and I'm sure yeah it's no defeat for a change. That's a nice change right Jonathan? Right, I'll take I'll take uh, no losses against top ten teams <laughs> at this point, you know. But you know, Coupe de France is all I have my mind on right now. For sure, it's nice to have um, little wins for a change, considering where we're. Um, well, not little wins, little things to be happy about, considering where we are as a football club currently languishing in tenth in league. And but hey ho, you know we've got the Coupe de France semi-finals on the horizon, and you know as you said, we as Tom said, we've got. Um, a fight back to talk about in this, of course. But first of all, we'll be discussing a nil-nil draw against Lyon. Um, I don't know about you, Tom, but it just felt like a typical Lyon result where they can try everything. Obviously, Vita Manone had a really good game, but they can try everything but just not put the ball in the back of the net. To be completely frank with the listeners, we were probably both watching Manchester United get smashed by Liverpool um, at the same time. So... I was a bit surpassed by the issue of football at that point. I was like, you love to hate this sport. At that point, I really hated it. Um, but yeah, it was, um, you know, usually you have the the, the diagram of, of, of OL is one half FC and so on. And we've repeated this um, many times. This could probably even become the name of our podcast one day, one half FC. Um, but in this, the other alternative is either... You know, the likes of the Osser game, which was technically a one-half FC, or the ones where every other keeper, whether they be good or bad, have blinders against us. Now, sure, uh, we'll we'll get into the nits and grits and say, Tolisso should have scored, Barcola should have scored, Shirky should have scored. There's some really good opportunities that, I don't know about the XG of them, but they were pretty, probably quite high, and we probably should have scored at least one or two game because there really weren't that many opportunities for Lionel to score um, and it was a great opportunity to surpass them in the table so it's another missed opportunity um, with lots of lots of lots of chances of course it had to be Vito Minone in goal you know sort of second level banter hero of, of the great years of Premier League you know up, up there um, but you know it's it's far Lionel looked far from the great Lionel we saw at the start of the season. Of course, there's a great interview in Sofut this month from the uh, from the manager Regis who explained very clearly that you know losses during the um, you know transfer window of Aotara notably and and Moffi definitely didn't help. Um, but there was an opportunity there and we didn't take it. Uh, to shame, especially seeing the chances, but. It was another typical OL nil-nil. Um, I'm sure we can discuss this at some point. I discussed this 
another podcast, but whether the end of the season is basically just friendlies to try out new things for next year. Um, this very much felt like a July type of friendly. The rhythm really wasn't that good, and it looked a bit chaotic. It wouldn't be Leon if it wasn't chaotic, but yeah, you're right. It wasn't, um, despite the fact that Leon were the better team, they had the most shots, the most XG, they outperformed Lorient's XG by 1.2. Uh, more possession slightly, although to be quite honest, I don't think we are a possession side, despite the fact you would expect the team of our quality to have most most of the opposition when compared to teams like Lorient, for example, as you mentioned, losing Wittara. Um, Moffy has weakened them, but they have brought in players like Bombardier, for example. So, you know, they have brought some players into their club. But even still, do you feel like this is a game we should have won, Jonathan? Of course, it was a game we should have won. And, and you know, we, we only did dominate most of the game. They conceded a few chances here and there because they were such heavy possession. But, you know, Lyon could have easily won this game 2 3 0, and it would have been a great performance. It's just when you're struggling, you don't score the chances you're supposed to score. And that's what Lyon's dealing with right now. I mean, if you consider the whole season, you watch all 27 games of Ligue 1 this year, this was one of the you know better ones in terms of uh, control of the game. You know, uh, Lyon was not, um, you know, there was no big dips. It was consistent, just uh, consistently wanting possession and consistently creating chances. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes goalkeepers have great performances. Toliso had a great chance, but not much you could regret and you know I really think the miss you know Lekazet not being there is the big issue and right now he's the really scoring like half the goals of the team so if he's not there Duke Dembele is not covering for him and that's the big issue you would think that without Lekazet Dembele would score the same goals or similar but it's not been the case so because of that you know the games Lekazet are out you just try to not lose and we're really dependent on Lekazet this year which is a good Know, really shows how much of a level he's reached this year when people thought he was finished. Definitely, and we'll be definitely discussing Lacazette's contribution in the Lille game in the second half of the episode. Lacazette's, I guess, debutant while he's been out has been Amin Saar through the centre, Tom. Obviously, he was in action again, really. I mean, as someone who's not watched the full game, as you mentioned, Liverpool v Manchester United was on. Other ex circumstances considering that, and when you see the team draw nil nil, I really can't be asked watching that. But I've still watched the extended highlights. You didn't see a lot of him within those highlights. Does that say a lot about his performance within the match, or do you just think it's echoing the same circumstances that he's new to the club, and we've got to allow him the time to settle in and you know make an impact possibly next season and using this like a honeymoon period, as you said, besides the Coupe de France. This is a time to start trying out new formations, new partnerships, new coordinations within the team. Well, when you see that Shirky was once again deployed maybe on the wing, uh, you just definitely know that it's not something that should be done long term. Um, we know, and Laurent Blanc knows this, that you should be playing behind the strikers, but um, clearly that wasn't part of the plan. And when you don't have Lacazette, it's difficult to rely on just Saar. Uh, especially at the moment. Um, I think if... You know, I could be wrong on this one, but my interpretation was that Saar played similarly to the previous game, um, which was a lot of tracking back, um, playing far from goal. Not necessarily back from goal, but like far from it. And that maybe he was not involved as much in the final third, which is probably why you don't see him in highlights doesn't mean that he had a bad game but uh, if he's not getting into positions to, to to score and not taking opportunities or not even having opportunities then that can be really good for a striker obviously whether it's me with Real Madrid and you with with with, with Liverpool we've both had false nines being really successful over the last few years but both of them at their best are really involved whether it's goal scoring or assisting, even by chance creations, they're really good. It doesn't feel like Sar is getting involved that much in that end. Uh, he might be the fourth pass before a shot, which, I mean, even the wildest of stats wouldn't take that <laughs> considering. You know, it's you might get a penultimate pass, um, 
that, that leads to a shot. But so I don't know. It feels like he, he's sort of tracking back as much as we saw Griezmann do during the World Cup, uh, but definitely not the same technical ability. So I don't know if it's the right thing for him to be doing when you see that as we've discussed previously in another podcast that Kakra is improving technically and coming back to his best um Tolisso is taking the ball forward he did it very well against Lille notably and and Lupinoy is far from being shy on the ball um you do wonder why he's tracking back so much obviously I do understand the tracking back defensively but I don't want it to be that far from goal when he doesn't have the you know vision or the technical understanding of the team so I'd rather him I don't think he's I think he's definitely a mobile striker I don't see him just standing up front like a Haaland would and just converting every chance because if that's what he's starting to do and he's not converting the chances then yeah he's just useless but there is many times been the argument um in the relatively poor seasons of Benzema where it was like he's he's dropping too deep and he's wasting energy and breath and that's impacting his you know cold-blooded finish at the end and that maybe physically SAR isn't quite there and he needs to maybe do a bit, little less dropping deep to get the ball and stand up up front and when you see how well Kumbedi for example is able to cross we'll talk about it with Lille you do wonder where he is in the box. You know, if if Moussa Demelis decided he can't head a ball anymore, um, then we need someone in the box to start heading the balls in because there's some great crosses, whether it's Gusto or Kumbedi, maybe less Jamonde, but there will be crosses. And if there's no one in the box and you're just expecting Shirky to be there, then we're not going to score any goals, even less with Barcola. So as much as he's, you know, scored some decent headers this year. So maybe Laurent Blanc needs to ask him to stay up up front a bit more or maybe he's the one asking him to drop deep. I don't know, but he's definitely not improving his confidence scoring-wise. He might be improving confidence with touching the ball a bit more, but we want to see him up front a bit more and uh, start scoring a bit more often, really. Yeah, right. it reminds me of... Again, I don't want to go back to another Liverpool terminism, but Cody Gakpo, when he'd first settled in at Liverpool, he well, wasn't settled in at Liverpool. He felt very much out of place. He doesn't know whether he's being asked to drop in, lead the press, you know, move into a wide channel like we discussed about when we'd done a bit of prior research to him or spoken to her and Vin Fine fans about, you know, his skill set, liking to use that left channel. Uh, but I don't know, it just feels... A little bit awkward at times. Obviously, he scored his goal against who are definitely the worst team in league. And um, not saying you can take that away from him. He's scored a goal for Leon, but you want to find him getting into more of those positions where he's in the six-yard box. Not like Haaland, obviously. I think Haaland's uh, your typical six-yard box striker and he thrives upon that. Um, I don't think he's that sort of player. I don't think he's a naturally gifted finisher, but if he can get himself into those positions a bit more, it would make much more sense. But I think maybe Shirky being moved out to the left is maybe creating a bit of a um, a complex for him about, you know, does he move out to that side? Because obviously Shirky likes to drift in. Is that space being occupied? Because Tagliafico is not necessarily the most direct fullback in terms of his, you know, willingness to get forward, despite when he can do it, he is effective. Uh, but no, it's interesting. Hopefully Aminsa can pick you know, himself up and get some goals. I think that's the main thing, really. Um, in terms of the formation then, Jonathan, we we were kind of playing well with this 4-2-2 two, two, two diamond, whatever you want to call it, with Shirky at the peak of it behind two strikers. And now we've moved back to a 4-3-3 with whether that be Lupino or Cacre in the middle. Um, and then, you know, Tolisso kind of being that free man or Kakre being the free man. Do you think that scene has regressed in terms of where we were beforehand when we went on that good run? Or can you see why he's trying out these new formations to see if it's the way forward? 
I mean, trying out new things is a good thing right now because we have nothing to lose and we're trying to find the team that will win us the Coupe de France. And, and that's really all these all preparation games. But some of these decisions to me make no sense. You know, of course, the Diomonde, that's not even formation, but Diomonde on the right side insisting over and over again. It's just, it's not good for him because, you know, he, he, he needs to be put in the best situations. It's not fair to him that people are going to judge him on this and then, you know, it's the end of his... Uh, deal run because he conceded goals so that's not fair and then Cherokee out of position just makes no sense I mean how many times have we seen it that on the left side or on the right side, on this wings he's just not the same player he touches the ball too much he doesn't make the difference um, he just passes the ball back it's it's pretty sad it's when you especially when you see how much better he is in the middle with both feet so that's very surprising when you have the players you have essentially you're trying to have three defensive midfielders that are really defensive. I mean, Kekret, Le Penon, and Toliso are really defensive. Toliso used to be, you know, the first run, he used to be a pretty, uh, you know, all-around midfielder who could score goals, who could shoot, who could, you know, bring a lot of uh, danger. But it looks like he's really gone backwards in terms of that. And he's just a, a sitting number six almost. He just, uh, you know, passes the ball slowly. It controls the game at a, at a slow pace. So, I don't really get it. When you do that, there's not enough. There's not enough up front, especially without Lacazette. So you're expecting Barcola, Barcola, who's playing great, Sar, who's not ready, and Shakiri out of position to score you, the, you know, enough goals to win a game. So I, I don't really get it. Maybe with different players, four through three would work. Maybe if you had uh, Lacazette and uh, another winger that was, you know, you know, better. I don't know. You know, maybe Jeffinho would work. Maybe for Jeffinho and. Lacazette and Barcola, maybe that three will work. But with the current players and with Kumbedi on the right, it, it could work. But right now, I don't see it. But I don't knock him for trying. I knock him for for bad substitutions and bad player choices all the time. You know, and maybe if you put Alarouche in that midfield, maybe that would work. I don't know. It's just I'm I'm okay with him rotating and trying players. It just um, don't mess it up when it's the Coupe de France. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's the that was my next point. Would you like to see Tom some sort of consistency in the way we play? Obviously, trying out new things is is good for moving forward next season. I think we've all pretty much agreed that European football is a pipe dream at this moment in time without winning the Coupe de France. But to be able to win knockout games, you want some form of consistency with the players performing at peak levels, playing the right positions, understanding a tactical setup. Is that something you want him to bring in or, you know, rein this freedom of formations out before we play those big games? I do think he believes that's the best formation we can play, um, which is a bit sad. Um, we had a debate last night on, the, on, on Twitch with the other group, 4L, is we, do, we all know that Laurent Blanc is not a great tactician. It wasn't the case... Um, at, at Bordeaux either. Um, he was very much helped by Jean-Louis Gasset at the time, who was very much retired now. Um, so maybe there's a question of, I mean, again, bringing back to the Liverpool example because it's the one I have in mind, but uh, I don't have his name, but the Dutch guy that helps Klopp with the tactical setup. Um, he's obviously, yeah, Linders. He's obviously essential to the to the setup and the tactical understanding of the team and how they do training. Passy has nothing of that. <laughs> he he did terribly at at um, Marseille as a, as a number one. Clearly doesn't understand tactics, uh, especially not recent tactics. I mean, sure, let's all go back to the WM that we saw with Hungary in '54. That that'll work. Um, but you know, it's. Uh, Maybe there's a question of that's something that needs changing. We need someone with more tactical understanding because Laurent Blanc, I think, as much as we want to criticize him, maybe there's a slight positive in terms of um, man management. Yes, his communication is terrible. Um, you know, the fact that he keeps on saying that that Arouche and Cherokee are the same players and that short players will never succeed in football. Well, that might be based on the fact that his teams have always been really physical. Well, basically, it's been Aloudiara, basically, from you know France or Bordeaux. It was always Aloudiara in the centre of the pitch being the physical presence, and he doesn't have that this year. Um, I do think there's a slight confidence boost with him 
Um, if we've got to give a bit of credit to Laurent Blanc, as much as he's probably not won as many points as Bosch did at the start of the season, and we're more or less at the same scale of games, I think. Um, you do feel like some players have regained a bit of confidence. I mean, we said this about Kakre, said this about Shirky at some point this season. So he does that well, but maybe he needs a help on the side for tactics. So circling back to the original point that already had a question, um, it's a, it's chaotic, but maybe that's what he believes is the best for us. Not chaos, but like that setup he's using and with the players that are absent at the moment, it's probably the best he can do in his mind. Um, you just hope that now the Lacazette is back in, in the setup and uh, he's obviously really pumped and physically ready, seeing the two goals he scored against Lille, um, that he gets back to what we did well against Loss, for example, or even before that, with a good run in the games, um, with Shirky back in confidence behind a striker, and the help of Barcola, who's clearly on fire at the moment. So, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a mess, and it does worry me a bit for the semi-final, because if we lose that one, I mean, I, I, I do wonder how badly the fans could turn on the club um, at the end of, not even the end of the season. I mean, from the semi-final onwards, it could get really messy in the stands. So, yeah, there, there needs to be a bit more cohesion and continuity to build towards a semi-final. And hopefully we don't have any injuries until then, even though, I'm sure Tolisso will probably miss a game or two at some point because he always does. Um, so, yeah, let's just try and get something a bit more consistent uh, to prepare for the semi-final. Otherwise, it's definitely not going to go well. No, and I think you could be right in your answer there. I think this 4-3-3 is the, the continual formation he's trying to force through now. Whether that's because we haven't had Lacazette, I guess, is yet to be seen, but... Um, when Shirky was playing so well in the 10 role and, you know, we were finally going, oh, this is the Shirky we've been speaking about. This is the Shirky we've been waiting for. This is the Shirky that's, you know, getting four assists and scoring goals, which, you know, we've not had for a long time, really, since he came into the, the Coupe de France squad as a really young player and scored those goals against Knowles and set up the others. It feels like, a missed opportunity to get the best out of what is really our best talent. And obviously alongside Lacazette, they were thriving together. And as you've said, Jonathan Barcola's best position, in my opinion, is also as a striker. So playing that 4-2-4-1-2-1-2, however you want to call it, formation would be what I'd like to see. But again, I'm not paid to win football matches, even though if I fancy myself after being good on football manager, um, it's, is down to Laurent Blanc at the end of the day. Um, speaking of Lacazette, pushing forwards another week, not another victory, but although considering the circumstances, it is a positive result. 3-1 down, coming back to 3-3. Three, three. Um, how much have we missed Lacazette, Jonathan? Yeah, he's, he's everything offensively for the team right now. I mean, there's some flashes from other players. Barcola stepping up. Sharky had his moments. Jeffino had that one game, but really, like, because it has been the guy for the whole season. Um, top top of the leaderboard and league almost, um, really crushing it and came in against Lille and he was, uh, you know, the whole team felt more confidence and he finished the chances that other people don't finish. Um, and it's really, he, he's the leader of the group, although, you know, you know, they say that his, in the locker room, he's not really a leader, he doesn't talk much, but on the field, he's the technical leader and, his performance speaks for itself. I mean, he's scoring nice goals, complete goals, headers, you know, both feet. Uh, you know, if he, he puts the pressure on, he gets takes advantage of mistakes, um, and he combines well with other players. So he really is is honestly better than I thought he would be after coming back. You know, after a really poor season with Arsenal, um, and he's showing that he can still uh, dominate Liga. I don't know if that's a good thing for Liga to show that a guy who scored five goals in the Premier League is now. You know, going to score twenty plus uh, easily in in Ligue 1. I'm not sure that's great, but um, you know, for us, we'll take it. We always said when we started the season was, would he be better than Dembele? Last year, Dembele scored twenty plus goals. Um, he had an amazing second half of the season, and we said, okay, 
Well, at a minimum, we need someone to take over that role and do the same. And I think he will do better. Not only is he going to score, might, might likely a little bit more goals, but he's also going to he creates a little bit more and is just more. His personality when it comes to the games is, is more. Um, you know, he's more of a winning mentality. I think uh, Dembele doesn't seem to really care much, and maybe you know that's because of his, his contract. You know, but Lacazette really seems to care long term, which is what Leon wanted. They wanted people who have given long term. You know, commitments to Lyon and want to win long term, and they don't. He doesn't see himself leaving next season, or I'm leaving this summer because I did. A, I scored 20 goals, so he's he's really hoping to make Lyon progress so that he can enjoy his career there. So um, I'm I'm really glad that he's here. I still think he needs help. I don't think you can win uh, be a top three league on team with with you know Lacazette. He reminds me a lot of Ben Yedder. Ben Yedder, a great player from Monaco, but he's not alone. You can't just have Ben Yedder. Ben Yedder has Mbolo and Voland and just a lot of amazing forwards around him that really help. And that's what you'll need. We need a few more really solid uh, strikers to play with him. And then we can really compete. But just him alone, I like Barcola, I like Jeffinho, but they're not going to score 15 goals in the league. So, you know, let's hope that we can address that in the next transfer window. And see, we always talk about the transfer window, but it's because the current roster is not good enough to compete. The coaching staff is not good enough to compete. And so we have this miracle semifinal Coupe de France, which is kind of all or nothing. If we somehow pull off this win, it'll be one of the best seasons we've had in a decade. I mean, winning a trophy doesn't happen every day. I hear these crazy comments on social media, which is, oh, it'd be better if Lyon lose so that, you know, they have to get rid of everyone. It's like, no, you don't have a chance to win a trophy every year. And, and if you win a trophy, that's that's really wonderful. And so that would be a good season. But if we lose, either in the semifinal or in the final, it's going to be really bad. I mean, this is this is really a chance. And, um, you know, let us hope Lacazette can, can pull through with whatever he has. Yeah, it feels like if anyone's going to be the man for the big occasion, it will be Lacazette. If that happens, again, I don't want to speak things into existence. We've got to beat Norths before we can get to the Coupe de France final. But it feels like we are, you know, we've got something to look forward to for a change. And the fact that Lacazette's back, scoring a brace from the bench to bring us back from dead. I was so close to turning the game off at 3-1, I'm not going to lie. I don't like doing that. But, you know, the two penalties we gave away, it just felt like a really, it just felt like a scruffy game, to be honest. It felt like a typical Leon defeat where we weren't necessarily outplayed. I think Leon were the better team. I'm not going to say they weren't, but when you give two penalties away in a game and then really throw the game away for yourself, obviously Barcola brought us back into it. And then Lacazette's penalty was unfortunate. You see that happen so many times where a free kick is played into a box and it touches players' hands. Personally, I don't think that should be a penalty. But again, the way VAR plays now, it's always going to be given. Think of the rules of handball. Is it intentional? No. Does he mean it? No. Is his arm out of position? Maybe so. But even still, there's nothing he can really do about it as a man in the wall there. Uh, but then again, he brought us back into it. Speaking of the two penalties then, Tom, based on the fact that Shirkies is very much a forwards tackle, as I called it before we started recording, and one that you would expect a striker to give away, um, and Lacazette's is kind of unpreventable. Do you view it as two points? dropped essentially considering if you take those penalties and those mistakes out of the way we'd have won the game 3-1 no we were outplayed and I don't think Laurent Blanc was ready to necessarily bring on Lacazette if we weren't losing by that much um, so I think a draw is fair uh, if not lucky um, because obviously there's that final minute penalty which could have um in another situation, could have been really a penalty. I mean, obviously, I think the foul is just as light from Shirky as it is from Kumbedi. I mean, he's just touched his shoulder and the guy falls over. Uh, he doesn't have to do that. And as you said, it's uh, strikers uh, defending. But both penalties could have been penalties and both could have also not been penalties. Um, so it's... Um, all possible, you know. Um, I, I, 
Fieldwood a better team. Uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, and and if they'd won five four or or six one, you know, that's that's just what Lille does. That's what Fonseca does. But also, what Fonseca does is give away games when they're in good positions. They, he did it with Roma. He did it with Shakhtar. Um, so he could have blocked away the game and decided that three one. That's good enough for me. But no, he kept on playing. And that's how we got back into it. And so I, I'm I'm happy with a point. Uh, I rewatched the game on Monday because I've missed it on Friday, but very entertaining game. Um, especially at the end. Obviously, you know, they had soft Lacazette. He's now equaled Bernard Lacombe's goal scoring record to become the second best scorer of the club, knowing he was away for like five seasons, which is quite impressive. Obviously, take into account that most very good strikers at OL left very quickly and that we are in day and age that clubs play so much more football than they did um, back in the 70s. So there is obviously that, but you know that doesn't take away from the fact he's scored is 140 goals along those lines. Um, there's, there's quite a few goals. Um, so 149, there we go. Um, so hopefully he gets... Uh, in, in such a way to equal the record is amazing because that that final hit is sensational. Like the 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 move from Kumbedi and, and Barcola makes you wonder why Kumbedi isn't starting. But hats off to, to Barcola for a great cross. Hats off to Toliso for not just taking the ball and running with it and letting it go through. And then the finish is is immense. So we we could have been so much far, could have been worse off. Um, we could have been better off, maybe. I seriously doubt we could have been better off. I've seen the game, so a point is a point. It was entertaining, and a, we we had a, a, you know a good comeback. I think you have to underline, and I said this again yesterday, just the fighting spirit that Lacazette brings in. I don't think it's just the technical ability that we're missing with him. It's like. We wouldn't have. I don't think we would have lost the game against Osef, for example, with him, because even at two one, even at one one, he would have been like, "Guys, this is unacceptable. We can't be doing this." And as much as Lovren is doing really well in leadership and telling all the players are shit every week, um, he doesn't lead from the front. Obviously, he's immense from the back and he's a superb defender. But Lacazette coming in showed the way even after this penalty and then he pres- he must have told Laurent Blanc that this is possible because I don't remember last time Bosch would bring on three strikers basically up front to try and get a game I think Bosch would have probably just been like well you know we tried our best whatever now we have Lacazette to say guys this this is possible and I think that comes from struggling Arsenal side he was in where he had to to fight for every point in the difficult years. And he's brought that to the club and hopefully he does stay an extra year so that we get maybe that fighting spirit back into the club. Because even if we are one half FC, well then maybe we have the better off at the end of the game and we, we win them. So, you know, hats off to him. Um it's a it was a good game. It's a shame it's not a point, but against Lille, it's it's a point. We'll we'll take it. A point is better than no points. That's the best way to look at it. Um, I feel like we've just waxed lyrical about Lacazette for 15 minutes, but considering he came off the bench and scored two goals, that's more than I mean, Who else can we talk about, really? <laughs> Barcola was going to be yes. the next one. I mean, Team of the week in the keep. Exactly. Considering where we were three months ago, talking about Kyle Tuckler can be going to Ren and that we've not replaced him directly. We did sign a winger, but Jeffinho's the other side. How happy are you to see Barkle or excelling Jonathan? Obviously, I think he's got eight goal contributions since he came into the team, which considering Kyle Tuckler can be got less than that in the first half of the season, but he's paid nearly 50,000 euros a week, is, um, is very impressive. Totally. Barcola has been better, miles better than we thought he would be at this point of his, his career. I mean, I, I, we all liked him, but all of us thought, okay, he, he might be a little soft to be, you know, full-time starter in Ligue 1. 
And we said, you know, a few months ago that this would be the time you'd see all the young players and see which ones are going to earn their, their contract, earn their right to stay at Lyon and earn the right to have a career at Lyon and those who end up, you know, not making it. And he he's making it. He is wonderful. I mean, he's faster than I thought. He's uh, keeps them stronger than I thought, honestly. And, you know, he finishes better than, than we expect. He scores quite a amount of goals. He did make usually the right decisions, although, you know, he still needs a lot of work on finishing. But honestly, he's been um, totally stepping into Toko Ikambi's shoes and, and playing better than him and, and have a better mentality. So, you know, like, it's funny because so many Lyon supporters always are like, just get just get rid of the guy and put a younger player in. And he, this time he's really proving us right, that getting rid of the big contract and the guy with the bad mentality works out. And I, I really like Barcola. What's amazing with him is you really see he's gotten more room to grow. I mean, I said it a few times before. It really reminds me of a young Lacazette. I can see him becoming a number nine and just scoring goals on goals on goals with that those qualities um, and becoming less of a winger. But you know, at that game against Lille at the end, I mean, the speed he had, I was really surprised. I didn't know he had that kind of speed. I knew he was you know a little agile and in fact, but he just when he takes the ball and goes, he he beats everyone. You know, not the same level as like an Mbappe guy, but um, it's actually funny because a few months ago. We talked about, he said, what player, what kind of player would, would I want for Lyon? I said, a player like Mbappe, that kind of style, not in terms of the quality, but in terms of the skill, where someone who can score goals and also, you know, add a lot of speed. And, and he really has been doing that a lot and um, playing the full game, a full 90 minutes usually, and just really happy with him. And it shows all young players that because you're not the star when you're, you know, 18 years old or 17 years old in the academy doesn't mean you can't succeed and he's really shown that he was not talked about when he was 17 as the top players and Bosch gave him a chance you know to give Bosch credit sometimes he did force him like he, he was one of the few young players that he really put in the group from the beginning and it kept him in the group for for you know, the whole time he was he was a coach and it, you know he didn't give him a lot of playing time but he, he kept him and, and it really made a difference and he's earned it and now now we see it and I think you know it'd be silly for Lyon to now you know Put a player at his spot next season. I think they need to give him now a, a. I think he's earned the right to have a season where he's the starter. So let's see how that goes, and let's hope he finishes the season strong, scores a few more goals, and you know, and he gets a few more more your recognition in, in in you know world football. For sure, I think he's probably gone under the radar somewhat in terms of the impact he's had in the last four or five games, especially in the Coupe de France as well. He's got three and four, three goal contributions in four games in the Coupe de France. Again, which considering our journey to where we are now, two games from winning the competition is vitally important too. Uh, but again, if you can continue that, as you say, in those games, considering our opponents next week are our semi-final opponents in the Coupe de France, it's almost like a taste. Uh, if you look at a two-legger, you want to you know, get one over on them, maybe create an inferiority complex ahead of that game. Uh, he's a man that's definitely able to create things, whether that be with pace. I think he's actually quite creative as well. He seems to be able to lay the ball off at the right time. He doesn't, for someone so young, his decision-making is surprisingly quite good. As you said, technically, he could possibly work on his finishing or the execution of his pass, but you can see he's trying the right things in the right areas. And when you're doing that at 19 and you've got so much room to grow, there's so much about his game that you can get really excited about. I think you give a really eloquent explanation there of, you know, the sort of player he could be and the sort of player he is now. And as you say, Tom, there, the fact that he's he's young, he's got the academy experience as well. He's motivated to do well for the club. He wants to play for the badge, and that's something you get from Shirky. That's something you get from Kakre. And to have someone else in that dimension as well is extremely pleasing. Um. Besides Sparkle then, and before we move on to Norse talking about that before the Coupe de France semi-final, um, what are your situational thoughts, Totten, on the right-back situation? Sonali Diamonde has been playing at right-back, been caught out, in my opinion, over the last three games, one point, in, twice in my head. I can remember points, one for a goal, and then others where he's drawn centrally and the wide space is left there. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Kumbedi came on, had a massive part to play in Lacazette's second goal. What what do you do moving forward? Because we're still no clear on Malo Gusto's fitness, really, because Chelsea have basically cut ties with everyone at Ola and said, we want him here as long as possible. 
Paul Gusto seems to be enjoying the London nightlife, that's for sure. Uh, especially seeing as Chelsea doing better, he's probably enjoying the games at Stamford Bridge as well. Um, so, yeah, we know. I don't know if we'll see him again. Which, I don't know if that would be breaking the tie of the, the loan. Um, because, well, firstly, taking him back to the club is obviously not ideal. But, you know, he does belong to Chelsea. So, I don't know. Um, I do want to see Malo again play for Lyon. Uh, I think he deserves at least for the first year of his of his time at, uh, as a professional. He deserves a uh, send-off and even as his, as a youth player. But whatever. Um, Jomande, I think, is a viable option as a centre-back. Uh, him and Lovren as a pairing worked okay. Um, although there were mistakes and I still come back to the fact he is just as mistake prone as Eric Bailly is capable of doing an amazing game but goes slightly ballistic once he's got the ball at his feet and just start running through the pitch sometimes it works sometimes he's got Rudy Garcia telling him he's not Beckenbauer sometimes he, he's just he loses it so I, I don't think at centre back he, he's reliable enough but then when he's supposed to take the ball and go forward, he doesn't do it at right back, which is what I find really confusing. Um, and clearly, Combetti is a better player. So we're just really confused. I think we mentioned this either in the chat or, or I must have seen it on somewhere else. But what happened to Combetti? What did he do? Did he sleep with Lomblanc's daughter? I don't know. There's something up with the fact that he hasn't played recently and doesn't seem to be injured. Um, so I'd really like to see him a bit more often. Obviously, we've mentioned this several times. You can't rely that much on Kumbedi, not because he's not talented, but because we don't want to put that much pressure on such a young player. But then again, we're doing that with Barcola. So, you know, why don't we, we start doing that with him? Because he's clearly a much better player in that position. Uh, motivated. Yes, he does get caught out a few times and... Is a bit rash with his tackles. Uh, could have, as I said earlier, could have really conceded a penalty at the end. Um, gets booked a lot for some reason. Like he really does dive into tackles a bit too eagerly. But once he's on the ball, he's you know there's that triangle he does a lot with on the side with um, maybe Tuliso, but definitely with Barcola, where it's one ball and one through, and he's in a perfect position to cross. And that's more or less how we got the greatest, best opportunities at the end of the game, including goal. So his, his um, attacking play, his link-up play, I'd say even his defending is better than Diomande. So I really wonder why he's not starting. Um, I'd imagine you might see, if if we're, we're relying on injury he had, we might see Gusto for the last five, six games of the season. I think it'd be maybe even unfair to have Gusto start at right back for the final if we do get there because, well, he's barely played all year at this point. Um, but he is the better player. Let's be honest on that one. Um, but I do want to see Kumbedi come back in because he clearly understands um, Barcola's movement, Lacazette's movement, and plays very well with Shirky as well. Uh, so I don't think it's a, I think it's a no-brainer, really. Um not that I despise Jomande, I think he's, he comes across as a great guy, from more or less from the academy. Um, so let's see a bit more of him, of uh, Kumbedi, because he was brought in for that. Maybe not so soon, but we've got to prepare next year, unless the club are planning to sell him as well. Uh, so we don't know who's going to be sold this year, but maybe Lacazette after an extraordinary season, maybe Barcola, um, you know. I did mention that Barcola would be suited very well for the Bundesliga. Um, so we'll have to see in the months to come, but hopefully we get to keep him for another year. I can't see a world where Barcola and Kumbedi are sold in the summer. If, again, Not the both, maybe Lacazette and Barcola. Again, Lacazette, I can't. He signed a contract until 2025. I struggle maybe. to see. But Barcola's going to get a replacement this summer because Toko Kambi's back. Toko Akambi leaves in the summer. Come on. I hope so, but you can't see the club being like, oh, we've already got a replacement because Jeffinho's already here and Toko Akambi's coming back. 
the fellow's useless. Tino's surely going to sign for Mallorca. They seem to be happy with him somewhat from what I've read. Um, I think there's space for Barcola at Lyon. Again, the same with Kumberi. If we sign somebody for what, 700,000 euros or whatever it was, really cheap fee to, you know, develop him using the academy coaching and facilities that we have at Lyon, which is one of the best in France. So then selling one year later would just seem like the most stupid decision ever. But again, nothing is out of the question at Lyon. Um, before we end the episode then, obviously, I think I mentioned it two or three times, we're going to play Norton in the semi-final of the group performance. We're not going to discuss that yet, but they are our opponents next time out. Um, when you play a team in such quick succession, Jonathan, you know, in terms of one being in the cup or one being in Europe or one being in, being in league, obviously this isn't back to back, but it's twice within the space of three weeks. Do you think that creates some sort of, whether it be advantage or um, complex around playing the same team twice? And also, while we're at it, what do you think the scores are going to be? I mean, it's a completely different strategy. There's some coaches who are like, they want to muddy the waters and make it confusing and they so they don't want to play their best 11 you know in the game that doesn't matter or in the game that does matter because they don't want to show their hands that was all for really tactical coaches they, they don't want to show their tactics in the game that's you know less important i don't think blanc is in that he's not you know really tactical and it's you know really in analyzing the other side it, he's like really poor tactically um but he has other qualities which is you know being a nice guy and and talking to his team and being close to the players. So um, so I, I do think that what he will do is just use this opportunity to play his best 11 and, and create a group. Like, he really is trying to find his best 11. And I can tell he's the kind of player, once he has best 11, he's going to play the same thing over and over and over again and not make changes. He just, he's just looking for that. And so far, he hasn't found it yet. Um, he's close. He has the defense down because we've conceded way less goals with him, you know, besides the little game, which is an anomaly with all these penalties. But... Generally, we've been conceding less goals because of Lovren and also just, you know, maybe also because it's coaching. You have to give credit, not just the player. Um, and, and so I think he's going to put his best 11. I mean, not what a story. I mean, if they make back-to-back finals, I mean, really pretty impressive. So I, I'd like to think that, you know, we have the upper hand. They're a tough team. We're going to be on the road, I believe. So that's, that's tough. You know, it's going to be a really crazy atmosphere. Um, but yeah, I think in preparation of that game, you play like Azet, you play Cherokee in the right position, you play Kumbedi, like Tom was saying, you know, um, I have one basic, really easy rule when it comes to players. It's not like I'm a football manager or anything. You basically just play the players in their positions. That's all it is. You don't do any, put them in weird positions or invent it or put them, just put them where they're trained. And usually it's better. It's just, even if they're not as good as that player, it's just they're, they're he's a right back. Dubon is not a right back. That's how, that's your decision. That's how you make the decision. On the depth chart, right now, there's only one right back. That's all it is. There's no one else to play because Gusto's out and Giovanni is not a right back. So, to me, it's this decision's easy. So, if Blanc sticks to that, playing them in the right positions and playing his best 11, and maybe Jeffy New comes back. I don't know. We don't hear about him, but is he gone for the season? I, I don't know what happened to him. And is Lopez gone for the season? He broke his finger. They, it could be. We don't, we're not getting really good information, but, you know, if those players come back, we'd like to in- incorporate them. If not... You know, like I said, Kumbedi on the right, Cherokee, like I said, Barcola up front, you know, in, in a diamond, not in a in a three, but in a two and, and one behind. And, you know, and, and you know, Tagliafico has been great and Kumbedi's been, been really impressive with his crossing. And, of course, he had a lot to improve, but, you know, what a fine he's been. Um, and then, you know, the defense has been good and I, I believe we can do it. And, of course, if, you know, you want to show your hand, but we need to win and I think it won't hurt us that we win the game against Nantes. You know, we're not that level. Or, oh, we win against, you know, they're going to be so, uh, you know, they want revenge so bad that we're going to lose the next next game. So, I don't know. Just a player best 11, we can't, you know, we're not the kind of team anymore where we can play a, a backup 11. We don't have a backup 11. Who is the backup 11? I don't even know. So, we only have, like, 13 players. So, let's play them. Yeah, I don't even think we could fill the backup five-a-side team, if I'm honest. Never mind a backup 11. So, yeah, you're right in that respect. I don't think the the dimension of the two games being played in quick succession in terms of fixtures, it's twice in three games, but I'm forgetting we also have an international break in between that. Um, but, of course, when we come back, it's going to be a big week. It's PSG in the Coupe de France semi-final. So, if you think as the season goes, that's probably one of the biggest weeks of the season. 
Um, and what better way to prepare see, than Paris? Who, who's going to play the PSG game? That's going to be, I mean, <laughs> if I'm the coach, I would throw the, the Marseille team from last year where we won when it was like everyone who was just out of position and no one played. Like, no. Yeah, but that's basically well, the team we have left. That's yeah. what we have left. All the players that were starting there are the ones that stayed. No, Elarouche's first start is going to be against PSG. Oh, it's yes. going to be him. It's going to be going everyone. To eat he will eat yeah. Verratti there. No Shakiri this time around, unfortunately. Patrick <laughs> from Dembele, watch out. Yeah, I'm not. I don't, I'm not going to ask for predictions for that one yet. But that's definitely not going to happen. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Norse game, Tom? Do you think we can win? I think we can. Um, I think we should, and I think we will. That's the, the simple grammatical explanation uh, in English. But um, yeah, we got to win the Coupe de France. Like, there's just no other option. Uh, there is obviously a debate of if we don't win the Coupe de France, do we get change at the top of the club? Not necessarily. If we win the Coupe de France, is it likely that we'll get less change at the top of the club? Probably. So. There's no real winners. Obviously, it'll be great to win the first trophy in 10 years. Does that mean that we'll end up with a worse season next year because the club are just like, oh my God, uh, Bruno Scherer has just brought in so many great players. Uh, his best friend, uh, the Turkish agent that brought um, you know, Sar, is now becoming the best friend of the club. And um, we we are bringing in loads of players from this Turkish agent, and everything's all fine. And Ponsu can now become president as well as director of football. And next week we might bring in um, Lacombe as a manager. Who knows? Um, so I completely forgot. We might get Skilacci as a as a manager. <laughs> Who else from the ex um, teams could we bring in? So. It's it, it's chaotic. I obviously don't want to talk extensively about the management because we do this every week. But um, finishing ninth and winning the cup is is good. I guess it's first trophy in, in 10 years. Um, I'd love to be in Lyon to celebrate it. I will try to be there. But um, can we really just be okay with being ninth? No. Um, so... That doesn't really hide the the forest of problems, I guess. But uh, we we got to win it. We we just have to to put not all our eggs in the same basket, so we don't end up like thirteenth. Um, but uh, let's just avoid stupid yellow cards, so that we don't get Lovren, for example, suspended, um, and avoid injuries. I think that's the most important. So I think we'll win both games against not. Interesting. An early Coupe de France semi-final prediction there. I thought you was going to keep your powder dry for next week, but no. Yeah, I might change I'll my mind. Yeah, we might lose 6-0 this weekend and I'll be like, ah, oh, this is fun. <laughs> Touch wood, that doesn't happen. Um, I think we'll lose this weekend. I don't know why. I just feel, well, I think that's what I want to happen. I just feel like sometimes when you play these games, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a superstition thing or a stupid thing. But when you win the first game, it just feels like you're destined to lose the second game, even when the two games have got no cause or effect on each other. Um, so I do hope we lose this weekend just on that basis and that the Coupe de France has no basis. Uh, the league apologies has no basis on our season because everything is um, Coupe de France for moving forwards. Uh, one last thing before we wrap up. Uh, I know I said that last, but there's been news in the last couple of hours that we should discuss. Um, Awar has pledged his international allegiances to Algeria. I love Awar more than both of you, I'm happy to say that, but you two are the Frenchmen. So I'll ask for your thoughts on the situation. How do you feel about that, Jonathan? Um, yeah, that was an interesting choice. Um, you know, it's his personal decision and ultimately for a lot of people with uh, dual backgrounds, you know, it's a personal decision. I do think in this case, which I like less than usual is it doesn't seem to be out of, you know, really desire to play for Algeria. It was more of he's resigned the fact that he's never going to be on the French national team again. And so it's a choice of, well, if I can't have one, I'll have the other. You know, ultimately, I think it's really cool when players decide to 
play for, you know, you know, a lesser known team, you know, not lesser known, but lesser, lesser strong team, just because they might feel roots of that and it might mean more to them. Um, and that's sometimes really nice to see, but it's not the case here. And it just makes me, Awar just makes me sad all around, especially, you know, you Liam, you've been such a big fan over the years and to see how he is now compared to how he was a couple of years ago is just, uh, it's just not the player that he wanted to be. And I really hope that he gets, he still is surf. No, he still has a reputation among managers to have been a really good player. And he has the talent and Guardiola loved him. And I always thought that still this summer, I wouldn't be surprised if Guardiola is interested. It hasn't come out yet, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if a few really top coaches give him a chance to put him, you know, to, to give him a chance. He's free to free players, small signing bonus compared to other players. And, you get an opportunity to to see if he can get back his level. So I really hope for him. But yeah, he makes me sad all around. Good for Algeria, you know, good for him. But like I said, it's not. It doesn't feel like it was his personal, his first choice. It was just because he waited out long enough for France. He's pretty clear that he's never going to have that level again, which is crazy because three years ago, we were like he's going to be the midfield for France for sure for years to come, and he's got a different skill set and. Just sad. Just sad how it happened. I'll never really understand the whole story of what behind the scenes of what happened. And let's just wish him the best. And, you know, even this season, the way he's ending this season is just sad. It's not the player. Each year has been regression. You know, I'm not sure what's going on. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about, about uh, Awar. Yeah, it feels like a difficult one. And from my perspective, as even when he leaves Leon, I'm still going to keep tabs on him because as you mentioned he's a player I'm not I'm not going to say I fell in love with him but just watching him play as a youngster pretty much straight away I thought that is how I like football to be played Um, and again the fact he's from Lyon came through the academy etc escalates all of that but the fact he's played for France is what gets me you know he was he was so close to touching that regular France place by being brought into the squad when I think there was a couple of injuries and he got an appearance in a friendly. Um, obviously, that means he's able to play for Algeria because he's not played in a competitive match for France. But when you're so close, you've been called up, you've been in the, you know, you've been playing in a France shirt, you've got that shirt at home probably somewhere um, and now you're off switching allegiances. It is sad, but as you say, he's playing, to, he's playing for his country of heritage it probably means he will have an established international career. Algeria have got a very good team as well. I mean, Andy Delors, um, Riyad Mahrez, um, Ismail Belasser, they've got some really good players. So if you think about his chances of winning an international trophy with Algeria, it would make sense considering that he's not in the France equation when you think of all the midfielders coming through in France. I'm not going to name them, but there's a plethora of young, talented midfielders in France and Awa seems to have missed the boat. Uh, but what are your take? What's your take on it, Tom? Obviously, him playing that one game. Do you feel the same way that me and Jonathan do that it's a missed opportunity on his part, or can you understand the sense in taking that switch to Algeria and having that established international career? Well, it's really the fact that he's been called up really already, which is a bit problematic. Um, I think it's less evident than with Andy Delors when it really came out there. It was like, oh yeah, I'll just play for Algeria and the reception really wasn't good but it did seem like he integrated very well in the end uh, as much as he had issues with the fans at some point I think there's definitely been other players um, that have had international careers who could have played for France I think the Corre is one of them um, there's you know lots of so many dual nationals with Africa who have played for the African nation um, instead of France without it necessarily being very early. You know, I think Sebastian Heller, for example, played until on a 21 level and then chose Ivory Coast. That felt more like a choice of heart rather than never being called up. But with our, you know, he, he definitely missed the, the boat. He played in October 2020 against Ukraine um, and hasn't been the same since. Obviously, that came out of the final eight uh, part and, and it was at his best, probably. And is is you know he's been injured and he's had failed transfers, and a player like that doesn't make it back in. I mean, even the likes of a similar player such as Fakir doesn't make it back into the French national team. So, when are, what's the likelihood of him playing again? 
it's a bit bad, really, of, of players having to, to do that kind of choice. Uh, being myself a dual national, it, it's defi- definitely difficult to, to choose between two nations. And maybe, you know, during COVID, post-COVID, he had a conversation with his with ancestors, parents, and so on, and rekindled his his affection for the country. You might have traveled to Algeria uh, in the last few months and said, okay, well, maybe I do find home here. And I think it's quite open, the fact that he is Muslim as well, and, and has definitely found maybe faith with that. So if if he has a great career there and, and finds trophies and a new home where he's more welcome. Once he finds a new club, uh, I imagine something in Spain probably because that suits his playing style, then he might, you know, be like Fikir, you know, find happiness in football um, away from the limelight as much as there's definitely limelight on Algeria and lots of pressure at home. And he'll definitely have scrutiny having played for France. But I think it's a good move for him. Um, it's a shame, obviously, not to see him in a French national shirt. Uh, but you know, we can't have every player. You know, I'm still hoping for Manu Kone, for example, to be called up. So um, we, we can't have everyone. And if Algeria take the best out of him and he finds his level again in a new club, good, good for him. Yeah, I think we're all the consensus. It's probably the right decision for his career, despite, again, like yourselves, even though I'm not French, I would have loved to have seen him have a successful career on the top stage, being involved in World Cup finals and European finals to come in the future for France. But obviously that's not what it's meant to be. But again, Algeria gives him opportunities to win on the international stage. So best of luck to him and hopefully it turns out to be a happy switch moving forwards. Um, I think that's everything for today. Um, we'll be back next week, probably after the international break, covering PSG, Nantes, and also the Coupe de France semi-final. Thanks as always for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers, guys. Bye.